Let's pray. Oh, man, Lord. Lord, if there was ever a, a day, well, I feel like this every day, but I feel like I need your spirit in a mighty way today. And I know there's many like me um, who, who felt maybe even this week that they just needed an extra helping of you, an extra dosage of your spirit, if you will. Um, you needed to be lifted up on eagle's wings, so to speak. Um, Man, this side of heaven is hard, Lord. There's just so much. And we, we beg, we're begging your presence here. What's amazing, Lord, is we don't have to just dwell on the hard stuff. We can remember all the good that you've done. But if we fail to remember all the good that you have done, we'll wallow in unbelief. We'll wallow in, in, in pity and in shame because we failed to do something simple like remember all the Old Testament, um, you call the people of God to remember that you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to remember that you're the God that redeemed them from, from the bondage of Egypt. You say that over and over again in the scriptures, and I need us, I need me to, 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 to catch what you're throwing, that I need to remember who I am in you, that these beloved here need to remember who they are in you. And that if they could just but remember who they are, they would fare much greater in the trials and tribulations that this world throws at us, that sin, Satan, and our flesh tempt us to do and be. Lord, help us to remember well. Help me to remember well. And give us vitality for the mission you've called us to. We give you all the praise in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Pastor Canaan here. Go ahead. Um, if you're not already there, open in the book of Galatians. We're continuing there. And the theme of this particular section in chapter four is this concept that I need you to remember. I need you to remember that you are sons, daughters and heirs of the Lord God. You have to remember who you are in the person of Jesus Christ. As soon as you forget that, you will fall back into all the old ways that you previously used to be. All the things that you previously were. Put it like this. The worst of you will come out, the greater your forgetfulness of who you are is. Right? That's when we tend to find ourselves slipping, is when we're forgetting who we are and whose we are. That's just the facts. That's what it is. And we live in a perpetual state of forgetting. And it's silly have you, you guys know the anatomy of a caterpillar? Caterpillar starts as an egg, becomes a larva, which is the caterpillar. It runs around and eats everything for, for a little while. It eats, 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 eats. And if it's, in your, if it's in your lawns, you don't like them. They're eating your leaves, right? And then they what? They cocoon themselves. They shed skin. And then from the, the time they're in the cocoon, not too while longer, they break free. And now what are they? They're a butterfly flying around. Have you ever seen a butterfly return to the cocoon? Never. Because when a butterfly has been set free and it's able to spread its wings, it never returns to the place of bondage in which it was in. That's a season of its life. And it's past that season. Oftentimes, what we do is return back to what used, we used to say it gives us comfort. But in reality, it never gave you comfort. It never satisfied that, that need. 
that craving, that issue you had, it didn't satisfy. You went back to it, but it didn't work. It's a butterfly returning to the cocoon. So the Apostle Paul in this passage is going to remind us who we are, and then he's going to plead with us, don't go back. Move forward. Keep pressing forward. And he does so using the analogy of an heir. And that's why I said at the beginning that we are heirs. Look at me, look at me in Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he is under guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. Paul opens up this section with the concept of an heir. What's an heir? An heir is a beneficiary of an inheritance. Uh, not too long ago, my wife and I decided to get our financial life in order, and that junk is still in chaos, y'all pray for us, right? But we decided to get our life in order, to get a will put together, um, to set up life insurance accounts, and if y'all don't have a will or life insurance, um, do that immediately, and then set up some, some, some beneficiaries, right? And, and what we did is we made, uh, just like most children, we made the cho- our children the beneficiaries, they're our heirs. They're the heirs of our assets. They're the heirs of the little $10 that they're about to get when we pass on. It's more like $1,000, okay? Y'all gonna get a G, you're gonna get a G, baby. One G. Now here's the problem. I got little kids, they're not of age. The last thing I need is my child coming up on $1,000 and blowing it on Roblox and Cheetos. Because that's what they're gonna do. They're going to blow it on Roblox. Y'all don't know Roblox. See, y'all don't got little kids. Y'all don't know Roblox. Roblox is that game right now. It's one of them games that sets you up to fail where they say, buy these tickets, and then you buy it, and then it becomes an addiction. You keep buying them, and then you spend $50. It's one of them things. So instead of giving our children that money, should we pass, we decided that we're going to set up something called a trust. A trust uh, is where a third party who knows the wishes of my wife and I, should we pass before our children hit adult age, they're going to oversee our assets according to a document that we put together until our children become of age, the age that we designate for them, to receive the assets in which we leave for them. That's what a trust does. Now, until our children reach that predetermined specific age, they are no different than anybody else in my house, though everything in my house is theirs. But until they reach that age, they have no claim on anything. My grandmother used to tell me all the time, this is my house. I'm like, but you said you were leaving it to me. No, nah, baby, that's my house. It's to keep it clear what it is. Once they hit that predetermined age, the promise of the inheritance goes into effect. Now, that sounds simple. That sounds very financial. But, beloved, that is a spiritual reality that I need you to digest. It is a spiritual truth that I need you to come to grips with it's a truth that will grant you hope to endure in the midst of hard circumstances that you find yourself in and you're like well well, how there's coming a day where all that God has promised us in Jesus will come to fruition we live day to day feeling like the promises of God are abstract feeling like the promises of God will never come that's just real y'all but we serve a God who makes promises and keeps them The scripture says, then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Who sits on the throne? God, right? Look, oh, look at this promise. God's dwelling is with humanity. 
that he will live with them. This is the almighty creator promising to dwell with us. They will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Then look what he promises. Y'all, hold on to this. If you, if you are experiencing hard times in your life, underline this in your Bible. This is a promise for you. Look what he says he will do. He will do. It's coming. He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, pain will be no more. Any of y'all dealing with that? Any of y'all have loved ones who have passed on? Any of you guys dealing with constant pain in your body, intellectually, emotionally? It'll be no more. Because the previous things have passed away. Verse 5. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. He also said, write because these words are faithful and true. He says this, I often quote this verse for you because I want you to get this verse in your system. If you're experiencing hard times, these are verses for you. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. That's what the last passage is pointing us to. The reality that though we are experiencing hardship on this side of heaven, there is a guaranteed promise from the Lord who loves your soul that it will not always be this way, beloved. Some of y'all needed that. I don't know who it was that needed that, but that's for you. Because that verse didn't just fly out of nowhere. I felt like God literally was like, yo, hand this to the people because they hurt and they hide their pain behind fake smiles and act like everything is cool or they're stronger than what, than what they are. And they forgot the promises that I've given them. They have not put their head on my chest and laid upon my bosom for comfort. They're trying to muscle it out. They need to lean on me. My promises are real. I got them. This is for you, whoever that was, whoever that is. Accept that. Beloved, the reality is, I know when you know that you're hurting. I know when you know that you're confused, that you're spiritually weary. I know when you know that you hide your wounds and you will never be healed by hiding your wounds. Some of us are afraid that if we put into practice methods to heal ourselves, that it will actually work because we're so accustomed to the pain. So we don't seek God. We don't seek tools. We don't seek help. We don't follow through it the way we ought to because we're afraid it might just actually work. And that's something I've never experienced before was peace and wholeness. So I'm going to just do me. And God's like, no, beloved, come to me. Believe me. Some of you have a situation where though you say you're a child of God, your life looks and feels like everyone else's. But beloved, the text is telling us to hold on for at the, at the appointed time, God promised in his word will come to fruition. If you are experiencing perpetual hardship, I want the apostle Peter to comfort you because he understands your pain. And remember you're an heir, so this is for you who have placed your faith in Jesus. Look what Peter says. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. How? 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an, in a, an inheritance, right? The same language as heirs and beneficiaries. He's given us an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Where is it? Kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, which is more valuable than gold, which though perishable, is refined by fire, that your faith may result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. God has given us, who entrust ourselves in Jesus, the Holy Spirit as our trustee, as our down payment until the day comes. Beloved, I need you to take that truth to the bank because God is not a liar. It says, God is not a man that he might lie, nor the son of man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? That's a rhetorical question. What's the answer? Of course not. But the reality is it's hard for us to believe this stuff. The Apostle Paul says this. I know it's a lot of verses. Read this. I need, this, I need you to get this in your system. Underline this in your Bibles if I'm going too fast for you. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that's us, beloved. That's you, heir who's struggling, son who's in turmoil, individual who's experiencing the death of loved ones, those of you with terminal sicknesses, those of you with bodily ailments, those of you who are stressed out because life is stressing you out, those of you with beef with the person around you, this is for you. You have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of glory. The glory of God. And not only that, will we boast in what? Y'all weren't ready for that. How can we boast in our afflictions? All the more glorious our redemption, beloved. It says we boast in our afflictions. Why? Because we know our afflictions produces endurance. Y'all ever, y'all ever been around that person that experienced a lot of life, though they may be young? And yes, like that person just is more seasoned. There's like no, almost another, not even another word for it. When you live some life, you get this something I call seasoning. And it's palpable. It's tangible. You be around those people. You're just like, yes, that person understands my plight. That comes through affliction. Affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. Proven character produces hope. Hope will not disappoint. Why? Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he has given to us. This chain is only broken when you forget who you are. As soon as you forget who you are, that chain is broken. We will never stand in the hope of glory if we forget When we're not standing in this hope, it's because we've fallen into the mud of unbelief and forgetfulness, and we act like little children who are impatient with the Lord's timing. And as a result of us being impatient, what we tend to do is we absorb and live by false truths, we live by bad ideologies, 
We live by temporary modes of satisfaction. These things that promise relief and freedom, but deliver pain and bondage. We become enslaved to worldly wisdom, human effort, and things that are not God. That's what the passage is going to tell us. That if we forget who we are, even in the midst of who we were and what we experience even now, that we are going to revert back to something Paul calls elemental things. Things that never worked, never satisfied, never, never blessed you at all. But we go back to it because that's all we know. That's who we were. But beloved, we're now free. We're butterflies. Not to return to the cocoon, to travail the unknown of what God has put before us, knowing that he loves us and he cares for us and we can move forward in him. We have to remember, we have to believe that we are. Look what the pastor says. Look at what the pastor says. Galatians 4.1. Now I say, as long as you are heir, as long as, the, I'm sorry, as long as the heir is a child, he in no way, uh, he, as long as he's a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he's under guardians and trustees until the time by his father. It continues. In the same way also, we were children. We're enslaved under the elements of this world. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. That's a key right there, that we might receive adoptions as sons and daughters. We are in slavery until we understand that we are heirs to receive. What's Paul doing here? Let me remind you all the context of Galatians. The church of Galatia is receiving false teaching from Judaizers, outsiders, that are saying in order to be justified before God, what does justification mean again, beloved? To be made right with God. In order to be made right with God, you had to chiefly do two things, be circumcised and adhere to the law. That's what they're pushing. That's what they're saying to you. If you want to be right with God, got to get circumcised, got to adhere to the law. Paul is writing to a mixed audience of Jews and Gentiles, mostly Gentile, but also Jews are here. And a lot of these Jews are also influenced by Gentile ways. But what did we learn from Paul that's contrary to what these Judaizers were teaching? That neither circumcision nor adherence to the law can make us whole nor right with God. That kind of thinking is an elemental principle of bondage because we cannot earn or, or, or obey our way to God. I want to say that again. Listen, just listen to it. Neither circumcision nor adherence to the law can make us whole nor right with God. That kind of thinking is a man-made elemental principle of bondage because we cannot earn or, or, or obey our way to a right standing with God. Yet people are in bondage to that very truth every day of their lives, thinking that they're going to earn God's favor. What did I say in the beginning, beloved? God loves you. You have his favor if you are in Christ, and you don't lose it if you are in him. You are his beloved son. God is not tolerating you until you grow up and move out of his house. He loves you now. He wants you now. 10-year-old you, 15-year-old you, 20-year-old you, 35-year-old you, 50-year-old you, 75-year-old you. He wants you on his lap because you're his beloved child, loves you, cares for you. And it's not by means of how much you've adhered to the law, nor is it determinative if you've been circumcised. He loves you, beloved. But I feel like there's a veil over us that we don't know who we are. 
And so we wrestle with this concept of being loved by God. And then we live in a way that doesn't display that we are sons of the Most High. How many of y'all walk around like princes and princesses? How many of y'all walk around like the truth of the gospel is real and powerful and working? You know how I, don't know, know, how I know we don't walk like that? Because I know I can't walk like that every day. I'm susceptible to the lies of Satan. I'm susceptible to the problems of this world pushing me down, reminding me that I'm nothing, I'm dirt, I'm trash, I'm the worst, when the truth is, yes, you were, and you are redeemed, loved, cherished, a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Keep your head high, beloved. You caught in sin? You ashamed of what you've done? Lift your head high and bring that to your Father and let him grant you forgiveness and grace and mercy and remind you that he has not cast you away. He loves you all the more. Beloved, I'm sorry, I just went way off of the sermon, but whatever. Paul, being a master wordsmith that he is, uses a word that is applicable both to Jews and Gentiles in order to relay a truth to them. That word that is used for elemental or the elements of this world, it, it kind of has three chief definitions. Lexically, lexically it's, it's false principles, that's the first one. The second one is heavenly bodies, which means like stars, planets, moons, right? And it means it's the idea of spiritualizing those heavenly bodies. And it's things that are concerning basic physical materials. Those are the three kind of chief definitions we see in the scripture and out of scripture for that same word for elemental principles. False ideologies are false principles, false teachings, heavenly bodies, stars, planets, moons, and spiritualizing those things and things concerning physical materials. Both Jews and Gentiles are guilty of believing in these things called elemental elements of this world. Let me explain the Jews first, how they believe in these elements of this world. They carry, the Jews carried an overemphasis on the physical. Now you may be like, well, what do you mean an overemphasis on the, on the physical? They overemphasized circumcision, food, religious festivals that were marked by those heavenly celestial bodies, moons and stars. They had a law-based behavior modification system over against a spiritual transformation system, right? They, they overemphasized what was here in lieu of or despite of what's going on in here. That's what they did. Are you circumcised? Are you good? No need to plumb the depths of your heart. You're God's people because of the physical thing that you've done. Beloved, that's not true. Look what Paul says in Colossians. He says the same truth. He says, therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink. <coughs> Excuse me. And let me clear that up. That don't mean get drunk, y'all. That ain't freedom for drunkenness. Okay, that's not what that's saying. <coughs> don't let anyone judge you in regard for food and drink or a matter of festival or new moon. You're starting to see some, some of that. Or a Sabbath day. Oh, look at that. Look at verse 17. Y'all see that? These are a shadow of what was to come. The substance is Christ. Let no one condemn you by delighting in ascetic practices, that means harming your body in order to gain favor with God, or the worship of angels, or claiming access to a visionary realm. Beloved, if you come across somebody who has special knowledge and access to God that you don't have, run. It's probably their own imagination. They ate beans last night, and they're trying to tell you something. No, not, no, not always, beloved. Let the scriptures guide you. Can God speak to you in these ways? I believe wholeheartedly he can. But you got to be careful when somebody constantly has something that you don't have. 
Same father, same spirit. Be, be leery. Such people are what? They're inflated. Empty notions of their unspiritual mind. It's funny, they, they seem spiritual, but Paul says they're the most unspiritual people around. Since he doesn't hold on, that person doesn't hold on to the head from whom the whole body is nourished and held together by ligaments and tendons, grown with the growth of God. It says, if you died with Christ, to what? To the elements of this world. That's what he was just explaining. Those false ideologies, those false worshiping of celestial beings and angels, all these things, these are the elements of the world. He says, if you've died with Christ, I mean, yeah, if you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you still live as if you belong to this world? Why do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. All these things refer to what is destined to perish and being used up. They are human commands and doctrines. Although these have the reputation of wisdom in promising self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are, in no, they are of no value in curbing self-indulgence. Beloved, any system or any individual who points your eyes to any of these methods outside of pointing your eyes to Jesus, that is not good advice nor wisdom for you. If they're saying in order to, be, to get closer to God, do this five-step program, no, it's not how it works. To get close to God, participate in these ascetic practices. No, that's not how it works. To get close to God, obey these laws, rules, and regulations. No, beloved, that's not how it works. But we act like it. We're in bondage to it. This is why some of us, little kids in here, let me be careful how I say this. Some of us are addicted to things uh, that cause us to lust. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And we've tried a lot of man-made methodologies in order to be set free from said things. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Can I get a nod or something? Okay, y'all know what I'm talking about. If you don't, just say no. I, I, you do, okay. Why have you not been set free? Because they're of no value in curbing your self-indulgence. The scripture, you know, you stop sinning, you pluck out your eye. Beloved, that doesn't fix it. Sin's in your heart. Starts there. You need radical transformation here before it ever come to fruition through your fingers and your fingertips. Oh, I want to say something. Okay. Okay. That's the way in which elemental principles can apply to Jews. How does it apply to Gentiles? Many Gentiles actually worshipped those heavenly bodies themselves, the moon, the stars, and they regarded them as gods. Uh, They also, if you know anything about just history. They used to worship the the wind. They had gods for the earth, gods for water. In fact, we saw that when we went through parts of the books of Exodus, we saw that there were different gods that the God of, that Yahweh was, was doing battle with. And they were like the God of the Nile and the God of the sun, right? The God of of frogs, right? Different, different gods that, that, so they worshiped these things. And Paul actually alludes to this in, in, in chapter, in chapter four, verse eight, where he says, those things that are not by nature gods but we keep falling back to worship those things. This is what Paul says. He says, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. Beloved, this is, all right, let me just, this is why we implore with you. This is why we beg you to open your Bibles and to read them yourself. This is why our discipleship groups are based this way. Why do you think I give you so much scripture every single week? I'm, I'm, I don't know you've ever seen as many cross-references as you do when you come here. I just cross-reference y'all to death. Why? Because I want the word of God in your soul. That's how you do, that's how you fight. 
That's how you win, beloved. Stop fighting with these man-made tools and philosophies letting you point you to things like your hue of your skin. No. If it doesn't point you to Jesus, it's a demonic tool. It's a, it's a scheme of Satan to destroy you. That's why I give you so much to, because you have to see it for yourself. There's beef between you because you are not, you have not bathed in the text. You've not allowed it to transform your soul. You run from it because you're afraid it might work. Yes, it will. Jesus, the power of God is real. It's powerful. It works. He's able to set you free from the things that are binding you, holding you, trapping you. Don't fall for the nonsense that the block is telling you. You know, it's one of the greatest lies. I said this a couple, a couple months ago. That nonsense, bet on yourself. That's some trash, Doc. I'm going to say it again. Bet on yourself. That's some trash, Doc. Do not bet on yourself. That is a satanic scheme to get you to not trust in God and trust in man instead. You think I'm lying? Jeremiah 17, 5. This is what the Lord says. Curse is the person who trusts in mankind. Okay, you need any, what are, he makes human flesh his strength. And what will happen as a result? He, his heart will turn from the Lord. Bet on yourself, go ahead. Don't be surprised when your heart turns from God. Just, I just want y'all to be close to Jesus, bro. Like our vision statement is real. It's really what we desire. We want to lead you closer to Jesus and each other. And we think it happens by you getting you closer to Jesus, you'll get closer to each other. We don't have to manufacture it. Get you to Jesus. That's the idea. Because if you stay with man-made traditions and elemental principles, you are damning yourself to a life of destruction and, and defeat and failure. And you don't want that smoke. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. I don't have it here, but look, it's another one. Look what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Right? So that's what it's telling you to do with your heart. Place it where? In whose hands? Come on. Place it in the... Yo, talk to me, guys. Come on. Place it in whose hands? The Lord's hands. And then this is what he says. The, the flip side. And do not rely on your own understanding. Don't we teach our kids that? That's the, the song that they be singing, right? Trust in the Lord. Yeah, we don't do it, though. We trust in me, 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 trust in me. We bet on ourselves. And then we're far from God and we wonder what happened. Elemental principles. It's so easy to fall into. What's the next cool thing that's going to be on TV that's going to call y'all? Call us. Call me. Try to woo us to it. God has his eternal word right before us, but we let it collect dust while we try to follow the fads and the trends of this world. No, beloved. Oh, look what it says. It keeps going. Proverbs 3. Verse 6. It says, in all your ways acknowledge him, and look what he does. He's going to make your paths straight. And then he says, again, flip it, don't be wise in your own eyes. Then he says, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Why? This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. You want healing? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, turn from evil, and this will be healing for your body and strength for your bones. How do we so, get so easily entangled in the philosophy of this world? I think it's because we don't remember. I think it's because we forget. I think it's because we allow everything else to define us but us. We let everything else define us, I'm sorry, but God. 
including us. That's what I meant to say, beloved, forgive me. You don't get to define you. Your culture doesn't get to define you. I don't get to define you. Your creator gets to define you. He tells you why he made you and what you are here for. As long as we ignore his voice, we will experience hardship in this life. As long as we forget that we are heirs, sons, and daughters, beloved in his sight, despite anything that we have fallen into, as soon as we forget that, we live a life of trash. We have beef with the people we're supposed to love the most. Our greatest assets and allies become our greatest enemies. We have beef with It's problems. I know it because I'm living it. You live in it, Doc. In our day and age, you know, it's funny. We laugh when we see the Gentiles worshiping the moon and the stars. But a lot of us in our, in our day and age, a lot of us Christians, especially our young millennials and Gen Z Christians, we're going to tarot cards and, and astrologists, ain't we? Well, I need to find out what's going on. I better not ask the creator of heaven and earth. Let me go to this lady who's going to tell me some bull. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Astrology. Yeah, she's right. No, beloved. Don't do that. Oh, I wish I had the passage in Deuteronomy where it talks about how that is just the most nonsensical thing in the world. Come to the God who created the celestial beings. Let him direct you. Let him guide you. Beloved, if you are going to some form of sorcery in order to find comfort in this life, stop. Okay? Sorry, I'm just mad at that. Because it's deceiving our people. You are my beloved people, those who are in Christ. And we're going to them in these places like they have answers. Nope. It's our fear of the future. We're, we're butterflies afraid to fly. So I'm back to the nonsense of the cocoon. How do I get back here? All right. I don't know. Galatians 3, 4, uh, 4, 3. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of this world. When the time came to completion, <clears throat> God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. I'm going to explain more of that next week, but I want to I make sure I get the point across before I explain more of that. I'm going to explain just a little bit more of it next week. Here's what it is. This concept of being adopted as sons. What, what the blood of Christ does for us, beloved, it doesn't just redeem us from our sin. That's good. That's enough for us to sing praises for all eternity, right? That's cool. But, but he does something more. He redeems us from our sin, and then he adopts us as his children. He puts us into a spiritual family with one another. That's why Ephesians 2 talks about the breaking down of the dividing wall, because he's unifying a people for himself. You, beloved, are that people that he is adopting as sons. And if we are brothers and sisters, it behooves us to know one another, to love one another, to defend one another. Because now we belong to this family and we're all about the family name, Jesus. We go from being God's mere creation to his children with a guaranteed inheritance. Look at Ephesians chapter one. The whole chapter is dope. Read it. But look what it says here. It says, in him, in Jesus, I'm sorry, yeah, in him, in Jesus. You are also sealed with whom? This, the, promise, the promised Holy Spirit. When you heard the word of truth of the gospel of your salvation and when you believed. When were you sealed? When, was the guarantee, when did the guarantee take place? When you believed the gospel of truth. Verse 14. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of your inheritance. Until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. What God has done is he's given us 
the Holy Spirit to be a guardian, to be a trust, to hold us until we receive the inheritance that Jesus promised us. That promise from the beginning of the sermon, where there'll be no more pain, no more tears, no more crying. That's just part of it, beloved. But the part that says that I will be their God and they will be my people and I will dwell with them. That, beloved, is the greatest inheritance of all time is to be in the presence of God. Everything pales in the presence. Everything pales when you're in the presence of him who loves you. I remember walking down the street, random illustration. You ever, you ever walk down the street? I remember when I was, when I was young, growing up, we used to go to the mall, the, call, the mall called the Galleria Mall. And to get there from my block, there was like a, a road, like, like seven blocks, just this long street straight to the galley. And me and the homies walked the block. And there was always loose dogs, constantly loose dogs. And so we were walking and you hear the ching, 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 ching. And so we know, look around and run. That's all you can do. Look around, run on to jump on a truck, jump on a car, right? Scared, shook. There's a horrible illustration, but anyway, I'm gonna say it anyway. But there was one particular time, beloved, where we were walking, and my man Joe had his dog with him. He had a bull mastiff, one of them big dogs, right? Beloved, fear was gone. Trepidation was gone. I know it is weird, right? Just let me, just let me have this. We'll delete it from the sermon later. <laughs> Everything, all, all the worries I had were gone in the presence of power when I knew that the power that I was standing with was greater than anything else that this block could ever scare me with, any of these little pit bulls could ever do. No, I had this big, I had this power next to me. And I'm walking with him, he's like, yeah, I'm here. And them dogs would run that way, and they would run that way. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, that's right. And I'd stay close. As long as my proximity to the dog was close, I had no fear. As soon as I strayed from him, I worried that they were gonna pick off the scragglers. Y'all see where I'm going with this? As long as you stay close to the power, you'll have no fear. The power that is close to you is greater than any power that's anywhere. But as soon as you stray away from the power, you forget that you ain't got the power, you ain't got the juice, and then the enemy comes and picks you off, and then you wonder what happened. Beloved, you strayed, you forgot. You got too used to believing in yourself, trusting in yourself. You ain't got the juice. He got it. Stay close. That turned out pretty good. That was the Lord, bro. I was like, ooh, I'm going to say this. I committed. You got to you commit. You got to go. You, I committed to it. I got to go. Beloved, hear this. I'm calling you to stop believing the hype that the world has to offer. That's what I'm, play, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you to do this. Stop believing the hype that the world has to offer. Stop trusting in your own wisdom. Stop trusting in your own heart. Trust God. Easier said than done. I know. I know. You have 30, 40, 50 years of trusting yourself. I know. Fight the urge to live a life according to you. Fight it. How do you fight it? Open his word and beg God to help you in the midst of your unbelief. Ask him to help you remember who you are, whose you are, who he is. Say, God, humble me because I think I know. I think I know, but I know I don't know. Help me. And then he's going to say, come on, babe, I got you. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be confusing. But you'll have no fear, no trepidation, because you're in the hands of a father who loves you. This is what your spirit will cry out. It will cry out, Abba, Father. It says, and because you are sons and daughters, God sent his spirit, just like we saw in the other verses, he sent his spirit, the spirit of his son, into our hearts to do what? 
It's a yearning cry, Abba, Father. It's that thing that pulls you back to the, to the center, pulls you back to God. Don't fight that. When, when, you, when the spirit within you is crying, Abba, Father, go with that. Do that. That's God's helping you. It's like when a little kid's about to walk into a pole, and you're like, hey, baby, turn around. Hey, turn around. Hey. And they just, ah, 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 ah. no, listen, heed the words of the one who can see beyond what you can see. No, stop. No, come on. No, come this way. If they don't, what will happen? They're going to get a lump on their head. When you hear him in the midst of all the noise of your life, listen, hear it, stop. Lord, you talking to me? What you saying right now? I need you. Let me open this word. See, we talking about. Let me, let me open my CBR journal, right? Let me see, let me see what he's talking about. Is he, is he saying something to me right now? I don't know. Lord, help me. I, but don't just keep walking, beloved. Let the spirit of your father that cries, Abba, Father, pull you close. It says, beloved, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you are, uh, then God has made you an heir. Okay, I'm going to share two more. I'm going to share another verse with y'all, and then we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. I've been preaching for like 55 minutes. Look what Paul says. Let's let this encourage you. Paul said to you, beloved, you. Okay, underline this in your Bible if you need to. Look what he said to you. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall into, back into fear. That's not what he gives you. You don't have that. What do you have? Instead, you've received the spirit of adoption. Y'all know anything about adoption? What does that child gain when he gains that family? You gain everything that child gains. Father. Mother, protection, love, nourishment, care, you know, all of that, cultivation, home, stability. We get all of that in Christ. He gave us a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out. Here it is again, third time. We cry out with our Abba Father. It's, it's, a, it's a, a, a term of endearment, Abba Father. You know, it's not quite as loose as Daddy, but it's like Dear Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. you got to remember that. Let that work. And if children, we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. Now what Paul's going to do in our passage in Galatians, he's going to plead with us to not turn back. Okay, this is it. This is the end. Paul's calling us. He says, remember, you know, heirs and slaves are the same. And that was you. You were a slave. But God has redeemed you. He set you free. Now walk in who you are now. And now he says, never go back. This is what he's going to say. Look, but in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that are by nature not God's. That's what you were. You were enslaved to things that were not God's, that didn't help, that didn't satisfy, sometimes just yourself. But look at verse 9. But now, since you know God, or rather, even better, have become known by God. Y'all, you can unpack that. Ooh, we. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? You see Paul's thing? Like, don't, don't do that. Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? You are observing special days, months, and seasons, and years. I'm fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. Let that not be said about the beloved here at Pillar Church. I want to call us you, beloved, enough with the Christianity that looks more like the world than it does Jesus. Enough with that. 
Enough with allowing sin and Satan to lure us back to our old ways. Enough living and acting as if the gospel isn't the power of God. Enough hiding our wounds and wondering why we're never healed from them. Enough lip service to God. Enough scary faith. Enough. Enough with sin and its deceptive ways. Enough betting on ourselves, beloved. Paul is calling us to remember, what are we? We are sons and daughters of the Most High, beloved. We are royal heirs. Adopted by God. Loved by the Father, redeemed by the Son, and dwelt by the Spirit. Let's walk in that. Can we walk in that? Father, there's so much theology in this passage that you know, I, I, can't, I can never do justice to it. But the reality of the plain truth is enough. Those who have placed their faith in you are your beloved sons and daughters. They are heirs to what you've redeemed for us. There is an inheritance awaiting us. There is a promise for us. And just like Peter said, although right now we experience trials and tribulation, although right now our hearts are hurting, although right now we think we know better than you, at the right time you came and gave your life for the ungodly. And you promised us that there's coming a time where I will never have heartache again. And it's not because I fixed what happened on this side of heaven. It's because you fixed what happened on the other side of it. Through the redemption of my soul, through the blood of your son. Father God, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, to remind God's people who they are in you. And let them walk in the reality of the glory of God. And may it hold them fast. And do not allow Satan to turn their head to the left or to the right. Fix their eyes on the word of truth. Devote their soul to the person of Jesus. And let's watch them flourish. Let's watch them fly like butterflies. No longer crawling in the muck and the mud. No longer bound by the cocoon. But we are free with wings to fly. Lord, you are worthy of all praise. We give you all the glory in Christ's name. Amen.